0: This is Father Gregory Pine.
1: And this is Father Bonaventure Chapman.
0: And welcome to God's Planning. Thanks to all those who support the show. If you enjoy God's Planning, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to God's Planning wherever you consume your podcasts. Now, Father Bonaventure.
1: Consume podcasts? That sounds so.
0: Consumeristic?
1: Well, I don't know. I just like, oh, you know, fill my mouth with them, but. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know
0: what else you would say. Take in your podcast. your, yeah, Because it's not just listen. It's also listen and view mm-hmm. because of the YouTube thing. That's yeah. part of the reason for which we crafted it as we did. No, that's right. Um, Wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, that's. May- maybe consume is like a little too elevated for get.
1: I have to switch to Latin or something maybe. Yeah. Know
0: wherever suscipiant podcast as Vostros. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah. So we'll work that in for the next time. Yeah. That's great. Perfect. Um, All right. So in this episode, we're going to talk about art, but before we talk about art in a way that may or may not be helpful to our listeners, Mm. we should talk about art in a way that may or may not be traumatic for ourselves. Oh yeah. So in your um, esteemed life, uh, as an artist or as an aspiring artist, are there any formative moments or Uh, formative memories?
1: Yes. So. I remember I was up in Canada, we would go up for the summers. There's so much to say, one, because I'm colorblind, um, and two, because I love art. I just absolutely love paintings. It's the most important thing in the world, really, is beauty and art, um, other than, other than pers- persons personhood, Um, So we took art classes in, in Canada. We lived up in the summer. And uh, one, the colors are tricky. So I realized that I was colorblind because I was doing paint by numbers at one point and took home this this like October Halloween thing to my mother and she said, uh, "Oh, honey," because she realized like it was all greens and browns and I couldn't I couldn't do that sort of thing, um, which is funny because it's paint by number, but I just was, wasn't using looking at the little. You know those little words on crayons, little l- names. Those are for me. Uh-huh. Most people don't look at; they just grab a crayon. Right. Whereas for me, it's like a game. It's like, let's see, did I get the right one? Uh-huh. But the in painting, we would take art classes, and so I painted, not a good painter at all. And but my grandparents put the artwork up in their house in in what? Oregon, in the beach. You might know this story. Yes. You might have, in fact, I think you've seen these things. So my brother and I had, and and all the grandchildren had paintings, and uh, and it was, it's in Oregon, it's on the coast, so that's a meth heads, uh, v- location, uh-huh. and so when they p- people weren't there, uh, uh, someone under the influence decided to break into the, into the beach house on right on the coast in the Oregon, and uh, take p- take art, wow. um, and so was and got caught in the act of of taking taking this art, and my uncle enjoyed this to no end he just absolutely loved this to remind me he said don't worry he understood the value of your art so he left your pieces on the wall <laughs> everyone else's art was being was was lined up stacked up and ready to go but yours he just couldn't get bring himself to take wow. that so that that is my if that gives you an indication of my greatness as as an artist uh, of, of the painted word. Um, there it is.
0: Yeah. Now, there are a couple of things that you shared early on in formation that helped me better understand you and your sense of humor. I think yeah. one was that you had migraines for like a seven-year period of time. Yeah, that's You're right. like, so you just assume that your mind slash God was against you.
1: That's what happens. I was like, yeah, that, that
0: okay, it checks yeah. out. And then this was another formative moment for me. Yes. It was like you've experienced rejection from a meth head as yeah. a kind of, um, yeah, foundational memory, you know, deep
1: humility. Yeah. And gives one <laughs> a sense of self. Yes. Um, but it's, that's my, now, did you, did you do any artistic work on your, uh, you probably weren't rejecting the way I was, nor were you behind the eight ball, uh, or the, or the paintbrush. Yeah. The I was so not, not a was. good artist, pretty yeah.
0: atrocious actually. Yeah. Um, there was the, there was one thing that I thought I did moderately well. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think in seventh or eighth grade, if memory serves, cause it felt middle schooly. Uh, We were supposed to do a transformation quadriptic. That's not a word, but it'll be for present purposes. So you had four images, and you were Mm -hmm. supposed to show a household object transforming into an animal. And I started with a a baseball mitt, and I transformed it into an elephant. And after I finished the elephant, I was like, it's not the worst elephant I've ever drawn. Wow. Now, mind you, it was the first elephant I'd ever drawn. So,
1: And you just stopped there.
0: Whatever. Um, But then every opportunity, basically, that I have had... To draw an elephant in the time since, which, you know, significant amount of time has elapsed, 21 years, uh, I have. So you may remember when we were on our most recent scheduling Zoom call, yes. you used the whiteboard feature on that Zoom call. I did. Yep. And you drew an elephant. And I drew an elephant. Now See? it makes sense. Origin Every. stories.
1: There it is. Look yeah. at that. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, okay.
0: Wolverine was made out of toxic ooze, and I was made out of a foundational elephant memory. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Uh-huh. Okay, so... And this episode, we're going to talk about art, specifically modern art. Yeah. Okay, so I think a lot of people approach art and they think, huh, not exactly sure what's going on, but this seems nice and this seems less nice. Mm. Now, yeah. um, do you have any basic experience or foundational experience with modern art, something that drew you to it or repulsed you from it that is... Yeah, a big part of this conversation.
1: Yeah, I suppose when we think of modern art, and we'll we'll define and make some talk about this, I think everyone kind of knows what it is when you say, oh, modern art, you know, the stuff that's in MoMA, the Modern Art Gallery and Museum of Modern Art in New York, or it's that that junk that's laying in the front of a a big old art building that apparently is also art. There's some kind of, you kind of know what it is, and maybe we'll talk about what, what we might mean by it, but modern or contemporary art, although let's keep to modern, uh, when I grew up, in, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and there was a, uh, beautiful art gallery there. Cause Buffalo used to be a big city it used to actually have arts and culture and that. And we're, we're getting back, but, uh, it took a, a downturn with the grain elevators and the steel mills, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we had Albright, not the Albright Knox gallery, which was a exceptional for Buffalo, um, for that kind of city, uh, art gallery. But specialized in modern art, really great collection has Roscoe's, Clifford Stills. Uh, I think it's got Franz Kline's in there, uh, Newman, whatever. It's got a lot of a lot of modern art. So when my my parents were members of the of the gallery, my sister was, is actually a good artist. She can actually paint and create and, and the sort of thing, Good the plastic arts as well. So she took classes there. We would go down and and frequently uh, visit this museum. And so I was always wandering by in through rooms that had walls painted with stripes on them that you couldn't touch or like trash in a corner that looked like you should call someone to clean it up, but it wasn't trash in the corner. It was actually a piece of art. Mm. So I was, I was, I kind of grew up around modern art. Um, Even if I wasn't always particularly inclined to enjoy or appreciate it, a lot of big structures outside of buildings too. Uh, Buffalo airport has a few Bizarre piece of modern art from the Albert Knox Gallery as well. So that was my, uh, I was I did grow up surrounded by these sort of things. Although Mm -hmm. in our household we we had uh, Mm -hmm. precious little modern art. Okay. okay. More, although there was some. There was some.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. uh, So my introduction to modern art was an introduction that you gave me. So I would say that I had no experience of modern art previously. I'd been to the Museum of Modern Art in New York, but I yeah. didn't go there under the auspices of modern art experience. I went there for Impressionism and late or post-Impressionism. Yeah. So I was there to see Van Gogh's Starry Night. And yeah. then if I saw anything else besides, cool, cheers. Uh, but then in the Novitiate, you led a modern architecture tour, mm. uh, which was something. And then when we came here to D.C., we are presently in D.C., for those of you who cannot recognize the city by virtue of the studio setup, Um, obvious signs of D.C. etude here. Um, uh, So when we came to D.C., we went to the Hirshhorn Gallery, uh, which isn't too far from our other convent in the city, St. Dominic's. And I remember going from thing to thing and thinking, I have no idea why anyone would do this Mm -hmm. or why anyone would, second mention in the podcast, consume this Mm -hmm. Um, because we arrived on the ground level, mm-hmm. as one is typically accustomed to arrive in a building, yeah. and then we went down a floor oh, to an exhibit floors. which was called Nira Pereg, and it was an audiovisual exhibit. Yeah. So there was footage of a flamingo habitat, and there was the audio element was uh, a shotgun being cocked multiple times shh, and then shh. discharged.
1: Yeah, that's you, right. Pff, okay. I think, well, was it ju- was it discharging? It I was. Think it was I thought yeah. It was so so every time it was times. cocked.
0: The the flamingos would duck slightly. They would do this, but every time it was discharged, the flamingos would would make a full inclination, a full bow, oh, like gosh, good I choir didn't marks. I recognized that. Um, I just I
1: thought they was just always. Shh,
0: yeah. Shh, no, no. So yeah, so okay. they every like fifth, I think it was I actually it. it was yeah. actually.
1: Oh, but that, maybe that's why. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. So I, I I looked at this and you were reveling in it because you're like, there's no meaning in the world, and this person yeah. has proved it. Yeah, and right. I was like, but that seems sad because at that point in my life, I was still trying to hold on to some yeah. of the remaining meaning. Yeah. that re- well whatever. Okay. So, um this for me was the beginning of of a journey. Yes. Yeah, and we are on the journey. So maybe yeah. at, for this stop <laughs> of the journey we could begin to think more deliberately about what, what it is about that here? we have undertaken by way of journey. Yeah. So, modern art, take Well, us there. let's
1: um let's break out for a second. Um so these are, in some ways, arbitrary distinctions between modern and contemporary art, just like modern philosophy and contemporary philosophy. The what well, the, the boundaries are vague. Okay. But if we think about modern art, let's just go for represent non-representational art, this kind of thing. So, and let's move away from maybe maybe the flamingo events, <laughs> or like you go into a room, you might have there, and there might be a TV projector from uh-huh. the fifties, yeah. and this, and then like some weird voice in the, in the background going what. And the projector is like an eye blinking. Let's just ignore that stuff. Okay. It just that is. So we're going for what visual art? Let's go for visual art, modern okay. visual art. So we'll go for. So a, ruling what out might be sculpture. Called, yeah, let's go for. Might be called abstract expressionism. I think when people think of modern art, mm-hmm. uh, they probably think of like Rothko and kind of abstract expressionism and those kind of things. Otherwise, it just becomes, I think, too you know, too big. So when, we're also going to move out, say, the ready mades maybe. So like the uh, Duchamp. Um, Urinal kind of thing, like Uh, just grabbing something or grabbing a bicycle, you know, and putting on a putting bicycle wheel on a on a wall or a bicycle Uh seat with a with the handlebars and calling that a bowler. Let's just remove that too, ish. But we'll keep that in the that's in the penumbra, right? Of this. I was hoping
0: you would use the word penumbra. Yeah, so
1: we'll keep we'll keep it there. (laughs) The penumbra. I think it's the penumbra actually. It is. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Penumbraian analysis. So yeah, so not so as opposed to traditional art. Might be considered uh, representationalist. Yeah. So if you think about even Van Gogh in a way, if you look at his picture, he's trying to represent something himself or something like this. Uh, let's think of ab- modern art in the context of abstract uh, expressionism, uh, which is non-representational, at least in that that framework. Okay. That's so. Helpful. So
0: we've drilled down a little bit insofar as we've set the bounds of our inquiry. Yeah. But. I resist that ever so slightly just so that we can draw on some themes, which we see in this particular artistic medium or in this particular artistic school, or if one can speak of a school, because maybe it's a projection of a school. But I think it comes through when we have those uh, performative or when we have those sculpture or when we have the, what, like the different media, I think, capture some common themes. Sure. And sometimes they come through more clearly in the other media. They're, they're so, in the penumbra.
1: They're just, they're hanging out. Bingo, exactly. We'll bring oh. them in
0: when necessary. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. So so I think there are things that we can identify mm. in modern art. So there is a note of rejection of past forms. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. clear to me that that rejection is necessarily very aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um It might just be exhausted. It might be a kind of fatigued rejection, or it might just Hmm. be a kind of consigning of oneself to the inexorable passage of time. It's like stuff happened, but you can't return to that stuff. So we got to do this new thing. So we got to explore some territory, which previously hasn't admitted, you know, the uh, who are people that explored things? Um, Captain Cook. It hasn't. Ex- it yeah. hasn't admitted the, the Captain Cooks of yesteryear. Magellan. Yeah, exactly. The Magellans of yesteryear. Thank you. That's a better image. Um, so it strikes me that rejection is part of its self-identification, mm-hmm. um, and then a kind of transgression maybe is mm-hmm. part of its mm-hmm. identity. Like it's, it wants to do new things, novel things, and often it does so a little bit aggressively or a little bit violently. Yeah. yeah. Um, not necessarily, but it, but but it seems like that's present mm-hmm. in a lot yes. of what we see. And then it also wants to be more um, subjective, not in the sense of mm-hmm. like, you make of it what you will, but in yep. the sense like it wants to engage you yes. as a viewer as part of the artistic act.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Um, so those would be, okay, so three notes identified. I don't know if you have things to add on those or further things to list.
1: Yeah, the first one, I guess, um, the, the the subjective subjective part, I think there's a modern sensibility to that in the way that we have a pre-modern, more objective, realist fashion uh, the modern turn, Descartes, what have you, is a move to subjective, subjectivity, not in the sense of uh, making it up, as you say, you know, Vilker or something, arbitrary sense, but rather uh, the engaging of the subject in the event itself, so that uh, when you have pre-modern art, you, you stand opposed to it as it's a completed object, you could say, whereas in modern art, you have a sense where you're engaged in it in some fashion. It's a constructive project for you. This is a a theme in modern modern science, particularly so, what Descartes talks about, the, what are colors and what's the senses around you. Uh, colors don't exist out there on things, but rather are your construction of your senses, right? They're, they're construction of senses based upon the input you're receiving. Mm-hmm. Now, let's bracket whether that's what to make of that, but that kind of <laughs> secondary qualities aspect. So, that's a part of a larger modern project. The other part, though, is um, to, to put a little uh, well, we should say a defense of, of the modern project, not just as regressive, but as uh, a return to original art conceptions, which is to say the creative aspect. I think you mentioned the de novo, the kind of the new to it. Um, Etienne Gilson gave lectures in 1955 at the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. Mellon Andrew Mellon lectures, where you'd think, and Gilson is a realist of realists, Thomist of, of Thomists. I mean. He's an existential Thomas, and so we could gripe about that, but cared about realism, very important to him, The traditional, all the traditional things about philosophy. And he reflected on uh, painting, painting reality. And there he defends, at the end of it, modern art as being a return to what art ought to be, which is the making, the freedom of making new beauties, new beautiful objects. And his 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 claim is, which is interesting, is that representational art... Focuses on imita- imitation aspect, and doesn't really add anything to the world. It just imitates it. Mm-hmm. Whereas art, modern art, is returning to the original sense of making, poesis, of art as a participation in creating something. And so he encourages in the lectures us to be less concerned about modern art as against re- anti-representational, but rather to think of. Mo- pre-modern art, representational art, is anti-creative. And that the point of art is actually to to create something and not in the way that God creates out of nothing, because you're still creating out of your experience of something, but to do something new, the de novo aspect. And in that way, modern art focuses less on, you could say, imitating nature qua representing it, but imitating freedom in the sense of the human act of doing something new, choosing the aspect on freedom as opposed to, say, necessity or nature. And I think there's, there's something profound about that, and I'm sympathetic to the fact that modern art in its abstraction is trying to create, not just regress against something, you know, or freedom against something, but freedom for something, a sense of creating a new reality that then is supposed to tell something about reality otherwise, not just repeat it, but rather tell it anew, that kind of thing.
0: Okay, so I think that y- you tend to be more sympathetic to modern artistic inspiration mm. and production than I am. Uh, I tend to find little of it that is especially delightful and engaging. So how about we maybe try to make a a, a kind of defense of certain forms of modern art, and then I'm just going to level the boom <sighs> and probably do so in a way that's no wise, subtle, or nuanced. But alas, I am sure. myself. So... Um, Like, what you just described would be a good uh, way by which to explain the place of modern art in the contemporary Mm -hmm. world. So this idea of an ongoing contribution. And I think that's a a good sensibility to have, namely that there is... Yeah, so art is part and parcel of our human contribution to the upbuilding of a culture, right? Mm. Which culture conduces to the glory of God, and maybe in some way, shape, or form to the salvation of souls. And, And I don't think that we can always... Or we, I don't think that we should say that all the good art has been made, Mm -hmm. and that it's just a matter of preservation or curation or whatever. Like it's, it's we're human beings, we're agents, Mm -hmm. and we express that in a moral register with prudence. We express that in an artistic register with this kind of creation or this kind of um, production, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's important because just as soon as we check out on producing new and novel forms of art, we lose something. I think of our humanity. Now, modern or contemporary art goes about it in a particular way, and I don't know if we want to adopt all of those presuppositions, um, but we can't deny the fact that we are, you know, in this time and in this place and in these circumstances. Like, we are Mm -hmm. 21st century people, and we can't try to live in another century Mm -hmm. uh, without some serious Violence visited upon ourselves. Yeah. So I don't know what you think about well, that. Well, I
1: think you're you're right to say bring up the dangers here, right? Because so we talked about make the nature versus freedom distinction, which of course we might think is in itself a modern distinction, of course. But let's just hold it for now mm-hmm. and say well, with with nature as representation, you're just following a pa- you're following the pattern, and if and you're the beauty of it is dependent upon, in a sense, the the pattern itself, the form. Whereas modern art is in a sense trying to work from the freedom. So to it still has to build off of things. No one's, mm-hmm. we're not, we can't create X nihilo e, Hello. So we're building, we're building new things from constructed materials. We have our own emotions, our own re- representations, our own positions, our own thoughts, our own ideas, but it's more freedom. I should say freedom is more the engine of this, the will, as opposed to the intellect. If we want to do the other side, what that means is that it's very dangerous because the intellect, you know, as long as you understand the rules of reasoning, you're going to be good. To, you're going to be good to go. Whereas the will, you can wander off very, quite far if you're not being prudent um, and attentive to the virtues of the will, which are and in our modern context, if we talk about rejections, we've tended to rejection and reject any rules of the will, mm-hmm. we've j- rules on how to live freely. It tends to be a freedom again of auto- pure autonomy of going against something. And that's what I think you talked about with this the art as rege- rejection. Freedom can be seen as just pure rejection of anyone else. That's not true freedom, of course. Mm-hmm. With modern art, I think when you're focusing on the freedom and the creativity in that to try to express what is true, because that, what, that's what I think Klein and Rothko are trying to do, trying to express a truth— Yet at the same time, it can be dangerous because it's less moored in an objective structure in the way that intellect logic runs. Mm-hmm. Freedom and the will have the heights of, in a sense, love, of course, you know, charity as being the highest uh, virtue, and yet also the depths of it in terms of utter rejection of, of all things. So it's both an offering of a very great good, but with that, a mysterious danger because it's, un- it's less tethered to reality and structure. Yeah,
0: um, and I think that that's where you get these, we talked about rejection, then we talked mm-hmm. about transgression, yeah. where you get these most offensive forms of art, which try to be uh, iconoclastic or even idolatrous or blasphemous as a way by which to provoke a response yep. in you, the viewer, which then you construct your experience in such a way that produces the ultimate fruit of the art. But what does that, what does that do? You know, Or like in what way, shape or form is that to be? Yeah, like pride. It's a
1: Miltonian. I mean, it has it has a demonic or a satanic kind of ultimate rejection. Like I will, <laughs> will you know, I will not serve. That's what you can find some some modern art, and who knows, it depends how how wide we make it. But and especially contemporary art has this kind of re- rejection qua rejection as rejection qual, quality to it, and that's I think where you want to say, well. Freedom is not, and and creativity and goodness is not ultimately about rejection, it's about acceptance. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then an ultimate affirmation. Okay, so uh, maybe one way to kind of orient the conversation in this remaining third is to think about it in terms of beauty. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I am convinced, and this is uh, a medieval slash ancient sensibility, that art is for beauty. And that's how Gilson titles one of his Mm -hmm. uh, monographs on the theme is The Arts of the Beautiful. I'm thinking also of Jacques Maritain's book, Art and Scholasticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we generate, or we create, or we produce artistic things uh, to cause others a kind of delight or enjoyment, or to proffer to them an invitation into a contemplative, you know, thought world or love world, uh, which will regenerate them as humans, right? Yeah. Which will be humanizing and humane. Yep. And I think that there is something objective to beauty. Mm-hmm. Now, this is super contentious, but i hack, so I just say what St. Thomas said. So he identifies these three notes in the beautiful, uh, which would be a kind of symmetry right, or proportion, a kind of integrity or wholeness, and then a kind of splendor or clarity. So the thing should, you know, it should be balanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be uh, not lacking anything proper mm-hmm. to it, right? And then it should kind of signal to you as an intelligence that I am from an intelligence, that I have been dreamt up or thought up for the express purpose of communicating something or manifesting yeah, something. And it strikes me that in a lot of modern art, which I wouldn't say, you know, this is true of modern art taken globally, but a lot of modern artists choose to reject aspects of this classical conception of Mm -hmm. beauty because they produce things which are unbalanced. I can't tell you how many altars in Europe have Mm -hmm. both of the candles on the one side rather than on either side. It's just like, why have you chosen to do this? It just drives me nuts. Um, or they choose to do it in a way that's disproportionate or unbalanced. Like like you've got the ciborium and the lid barely goes on because somebody has chosen to shape it as like a depressed jelly bean rather than just as a bowl, which it was meant to be a bowl. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just like, oh. yeah. Um, Or like cl- clarity or splendor. This idea that it's from an intelligence and to an intelligence. It's like they want to show something that's more basic or cosmic mm-hmm. or amorphous rather than what these more 16th, 17th, 18th century refined Italian or Dutch representations which strike them as pertaining to an age of hierarchy and kingship sure. and blah, blah, blah. So it seems like a lot of modern artists are pushing back against that, but I, I don't think that need necessarily be the case. So what do you think?
1: No, that's right. I think, I mean, those aspects that Thomas brings up and the tradition brings up, uh, it's to do with the form, I suspect. This is what Aime Baltzar talks about beauty and, and, and as the aesthetic value as, as related to the form. Whatever we mean by that, but has some structural components to it, balance, as you say, clarity. Um, and a lot of modern contemporary art can seem to be entirely opposed to that, or at least pushing the boundaries on it and rejecting that. Now, I suppose I'm sympathetic in on in this case is if you're looking for the form, you can do it through uh, a a direct way or via negativa. And I tend to think of just as modern art... Uh, is it, as pre-modern art focuses on, say, the divine and their expression of the divine and this the sort of transcendent aspect, uh, modern shift, again, is a, a general towards the imminent frame. It's towards our experience and more anthropomorphic as opposed to theological. Um, and so the art should uh, correspond to that. And when I tend to... F- think, and I'm not sure they that they explicitly express this, although oftentimes they do, is that modern arts are trying to express, in a sense, the disjointedness of the human form, not in the sense of the human form of our body, we're very symmetric in this way, but human's life that goes all cattywampus and all crazy due to a fallenness that they may not mention, but they're still kind of expressing. To my mind, the the... Unbalanced. Now, in the church, I think this is entirely the wrong point because in the altar, you don't you don't express man qua unbalanced on the altar of God. This is not you're supposed to be drawing towards the transcendent, whereas there is beauty and goodness and proportion and all things in just right order. This we're supposed to be drawn out of our fallenness to perfection in a way but in the context of, of art as expressing ourselves to ourselves which the artist's job is to, i think at best to tell truths about who we are mm-hmm. about seeing us and ourselves otherwise and as we truly are the note of fallenness and the inability of man to sort things out comes out in sort of these unbalanced frames these lack of, of perfect precision although if you actually if you read how these a lot of these painters like Rothko Pollock even Klein, especially uh, Mondrian, how they go about this—it look might look random or just kind of sloppy, but it's—they have lots of studies. they to do something in acting that looks spontaneous and natural is extremely hard. In the same way, this modern art, a lot of it, uh, contemporary modern art requires a s- strong focus on form and attention to these details. But the aim is, I think, or at least this is how I see it, is to remind us that we are fallen creatures. That don't have everything right, and that need then to go somewhere else to mm. God for that. So I think that's that's what I might say.
0: Yeah, I guess that that last piece is essential because I suspect mm-hmm. that a lot of modern art is completely content to communicate to us that we are fallen Just and fallen. to leave us yeah. there. Yeah. Whereas I think that art, you know, it's not liturgy, but it has a kind of connection with liturgy insofar as it's supposed to orient us in the recognition uh, of our fallen condition towards a salvation which salvation is not imminent. It's ultimately transcendent. And I think that part of what beauty is able to communicate or to capture is that fact that there is, you know, help that comes from beyond the hills or that there is a world in which uh, the sin, you know, with which our present experience is tinged can ultimately be resolved, right? Where it can be healed and where we can be grown beyond it. And I think that, um, yeah, while modern artists might look at more classical, like antique or medieval representational art as... What like out of touch? I suppose mm-hmm. I, I think that they're answering different questions, and maybe it's just a matter of recognizing the questions that are being mm, posed, we're asking them, yeah. and, and asking the questions which are the questions prized by the artists, mm-hmm. and engaging with them on those terms, and then seeking to, you know, not necessarily construct something from it, mm, but situate. To, yeah, situate and then be directed to the appropriate horizon. Yeah. So all right, we only have a minute or two for the rest of the episode, but can you give a couple of recommendations of your favorite modern artists? Uh, with a brief commendation.
1: Oh sure. Well, I mean, I do like Franz Klein, but I think I think to be honest with modern art, with in modern art and this in the abstract expressionism, it really is subjective to your own desires. So take okay. us to boost on this. But if you want a more balanced someone who who is both balanced modern and pre-modern, I think Andrew Wyatt's spectacular. I think he does the modern kind of getting the emotive and drawing you in subjectively to this, mm. and yet he has a very rich. Uh, realistic dimension to him. So he's, he's a modern and contemporary artist who is doing something that is both, that is pre-modern and modern, I think, and very well.
0: Nice. Yeah. Okay. And as for me in my house, I, I only have artistic preferences downstream of yours insofar as I'm insensate to the artistic until such time as you suggested to me. But Mark Rothko, you know, there's mm-hmm. a museum here just across the yep. way, the Phillips Gallery, where they have a Rothko room with four big canvases of his. And I think just at the level of pure id, they're mm-hmm. terrifying and i think that they're meant to be such to it's just such. kind of like yeah. domination as it were as you as a viewer are cowed by fear of the canvas which has yeah. come to uh wholly eviscerate your thought world it's like Ugh. Yeah. um and then more along the lines of a wife like edward hopper yeah. this is you know early 20th century so pertaining to a time and a place it's kind of like late representational mm-hmm. early non-representational but the way in which he captures existential doubt or inner conflict and projects that in very simple, um, modest uh, forms, mm-hmm. I find to be really really captivating. Yep. I put four of them up, I mean cheap prints of them, up in my office at one point and people came into me, or they came into the office and was yeah. like, why, why did you choose like, these? it's are you it's so like, depressed? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's because you have to despair of your life in order to have it saved yeah. first. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's what we have prepared. Uh, thanks so much for having tuned in to this episode of God's Planning. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the podcast. Uh, be sure to like, uh, share, and leave a five-star review. Also, if you're on social media, we'd appreciate it if you'd follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all the good things. Um, and then if you look in the episode description or show notes, you'll find links there for a uh, planning merchandise to be found on our website, but also for planning events. So at this stage of the game, we're in late May, and you've probably heard at this point our advertising uh, an all-comers retreat, so everyone 21 and over are welcome to a retreat June 16th through 18th in Malvern, Pennsylvania, Malvern Retreat House just outside of Philadelphia. Uh, We fundraised for that, and so the cost of it has come down to a more affordable rate, for which we're super grateful. Thank you, benefactors, for having provided uh, such an opportunity. So we're looking forward to getting together with you there. And then the next retreat is in, uh, so the second weekend of August, and that'll be at Brevard, North Carolina. That's a men's retreat uh, for men over 21, and I think we said up to 35. Uh, but you can, you know, if you're if you're around 35, you can just uh, send an email and we'll we'll work out the details. Um, so we're looking forward to those two retreats. Again, an all comers retreat in June and a men's retreat in August. Boom. All right, no of our prayers for you. Please pray for us, and we'll look forward to chatting with you next time on God's Planning.